Friday night in 1962. School's out for the week, and based on today's standards, the options for fun were limited. But if you were a teenager in Metro Detroit, you knew the place to be was the record hop at Notre Dame High School, just east of the Motor City in the suburb of Harper Woods. At its peak, kids would line up at the door. Dancing would spill over from the packed cafeteria into the library. Local DJs and radio hosts changed out the hottest records, and local bands played sets. You knew the dance was over and it was time to call it a night when the theme from A Summer Place began to play. For many, it's a bygone era, an experience that can never be recreated. But those nights, doing the twist in the cafeteria at Notre Dame High School, dancing with members of the opposite sex, live fondly in their memories. But the record hops are hardly remembered without the twin memory of Father John Bryson, a Marist priest with a dry sense of humor and a thick Boston accent, who taught theology at Notre Dame High School. Beyond the collar, Father Bryson was a businessman. He was responsible for raising money for the school by maintaining the vending machines and charging 75 cents for the weekly dances, which ran from the 1950s to the 1970s. Father Bryson rubbed shoulders with local bands and celebrities and even caught the attention of national figures, such as pompadoured teen heartthrob Bobby Rydell, actress Shirley MacLaine, and Brian Hyland, whose name you might not know, but whose tune, Itsy Bitsy Teeny Weeny Yellow Polka Dot Bikini, surely is recognizable. Father Bryson brought in Motown legends, such as the Supremes and the Temptations. He gave the stage to rock and roll hopefuls, like pre-fame Bob Seger. Later on, he was strongly associated with the Immigrant Song by Led Zeppelin, which students heard blasting from the jukebox in the cafeteria every day as they entered for lunch. The lore of the Motor City rock and roll priest still lives on, and he is affectionately referred to by many names. The DJ priest, Big John, but probably most often as Father Hollywood. He thought, you know, you should have some kind of social life. You know, people to meet each other and to interact with each other. This is Simone Vitale, a graduate of the Notre Dame class of 1967. He was way ahead of his time as far as, you know, because at that time, I mean, you know, you had American Bandstand, okay? So it kind of was like our American Bandstand at Notre Dame High School. But he was, he was very pious. And, uh, I mean, he never had any off-color jokes or, he was as straight as an arrow, let me tell you. He never, he was a little, he was kind of shy in a way, but he wasn't shy. Welcome to Detroit Stories, a podcast on a mission to boldly share the stories of the people and communities in Southeast Michigan. These are the stories that fascinate and inspire us. Does your bank make you feel like you belong there? At Alliance Catholic Credit Union, you are a member of a financial institution that serves the Catholic community, providing you with an opportunity to align your banking with your Catholic identity. You receive all the products and services you need to manage your money, and your membership helps support Catholic schools, parishes, and organizations. It's time to put your money where your faith is. Visit AllianceCatholic.com to get started today. Service. Community. Catholic. Alliance Catholic Credit Union. Federally insured by the NCUA. Father Bryson identified talent in kids who might be overlooked. 
kids like comedian and actor Dave Coulier of Full House fame. In 1973, Coulier was a freshman at Notre Dame, worried mostly that he couldn't grow facial hair. He graduated in 1977 and 10 years later found himself acting opposite Bob Saget and the Olsen twins. He attributes much of his drive and success to Father Hollywood. Father Bryson is one of those building blocks that you don't know at the time that it is going to become a building block in in your life or your career or just, you know, part of your character or, you know, part of your operating system. But when someone impacts your life like that at at a very influential time, in your growth as a human being, um, you know, and and impacts it in a really positive way like that. I think that stays with you forever. And, you know, he'll forever be with me, you know. And um, I'm really lucky that along the way on this journey that I've got people like that that were, you know, they didn't know what to do with me. They didn't know where to send me when on graduation day, like, good luck. We don't know what you're going to do. But, you know, having having Father Bryson as part of my operating system and, and knowing that, you know, part of the journey was because of, of him just giving me a, you know, a positive push, you know, I'll never forget that. That's that's. That's ingrained in me forever, and I love that. Many others whom Father Hollywood mentored went on to do great things. But despite his nickname, his affinity for pop culture, and his seemingly endless industry connections, Father Hollywood was humble. This is Notre Dame grad Jerry Alderman. Uh, I remember he used to... (laughs) He used to be, his favorite saying was, thanks a million. He would say, he'd open the dance with a prayer, and then at the night end of the night, he would uh, do likewise, and he would uh, say, thanks a million for coming. John Bryson was born in Massachusetts in 1923, the oldest of eight children. He joined the Marist priests in Boston and professed his final vows and was ordained on July 23, 1953, at Our Lady of Victories Church. A year after Father Bryson was ordained, in 1954, the Marist brothers founded Notre Dame High School, a Catholic all-boys school just outside of Detroit. Father Bryson was assigned to teach theology at the school. The school was new and often in need of fundraising, especially for its new college-level sports facilities. Father Bryson turned out to be a natural promoter and was given the job of raising money to get the new school off the ground. He hosted ladies' bingo nights, operated the vending machines, and began hosting dances that would turn out to be legendary. They were on Fridays, and uh, admission was a whopping 75 cents. And uh, we started, I believe, at 7 o'clock and went to 11. And uh, we had, yeah, we had, we had, the cafeteria was the main room, and then the, um, library, part of the library uh, where the books were, uh, <clears throat> was uh, walled off and we used that as a, a second room for like the overflow, you might say, you know. And there, both rooms were usually full, except in the summertime, sometimes it got a little lighter. In 1958, Jerry Alderman was a freshman at Notre Dame High School and a disc jockey for the dances. 
Jerry was responsible for hyping up the crowd and maintaining the energy between disc changes. Father Hollywood's rule was two slow songs for every fast song. We did a lot of what, I forgot what they called it at the time, but to liven up the crowd, you know, the, the, real, the real entertainer, let's say, was playing a guitar and singing or whatever, but uh, we would get out there and I'd jump up and down and, you know, put out, try and wake the crowd up, you know. But, like, my guitar was never plugged in because I couldn't play, you know. <laughs> One time they plugged it in after they doing uh, one of the guys said, Gary, do you know how many times you've changed cards? <laughs> In addition to being a DJ and the frontman for a band called the Thunder Rocks, Jerry was responsible for obtaining the new records for that week's dance. Father Bryson had a deal with a local business. The proprietor loaned them records for the hop, as long as the priest brought three records for his own library. Every Saturday morning, Jerry cleaned and returned the records. Father Bryson had a as a businessman, uh, he would, I remember one day I, I saw him, he went up to the guys at the door that were collecting the money and he said, uh, okay, close up, tell them we're full. And uh, the guy said, well, Father, they're still coming in. They're still full. He said, we're full. And so after he walked away, I, I'd seen him do that a couple times. I said, Father, how come, you know, we've got more room in here. He's Jerry. The best, that's the best advertising. I know we got room for armies, but we tell them we're, we're full. And when they go home, now they know next week they come earlier and they bring a friend. He said that's the best advertising. Being a disc jockey came with perks and status. Father Hollywood wanted Jerry and his fellow DJs to be seen in the music industry, to draw attention to the dances and build connections that would lead to guest appearances and larger crowds. Oh my gosh, when Bobby Rydell came in, most of the Motown people, he was lined up with Motown. Most of the Motown people came in. Uh, let's see, Brenda Lee and uh, Jerry Lee Lewis, uh, Chubby, che- Chubby Checker, I think, came in. And, uh, just a whole bunch of the one the one I remember was uh, a guy who was <clears throat> uh, he didn't have any records at that time. He just was getting his, his first record, Itsy Bitsy Teeny Weeny Yellow Polka Dot Bikini. It was in the summertime, and it was Brian Highland was his name. But he was relatively unknown. Hanging with the stars, Notre Dame students felt like peers with the celebrities Father Bryson would bring in. Rydell once confided in Jerry that he wished he could be a, quote, normal teen. Highland and Jerry danced the night away to his itsy bitsy teeny weeny at another local dance site, the Armory. And when the girl he was dancing with said she didn't like the tune, Highland never once let on that he was the voice behind the hit. Uh, Meeting a lot of these people, I just learned that um, they're they're often not the person you see on, you know, on stage, you know, some have, they have their own habits. Some of them are a lot nicer, you know. Additionally, the dances were a great place to pick up girls. But another guy and I, we met these two gals, and they seem like now. And so we asked them to go to uh, Big Boys anywhere, Rich, Richard's driving after the dance. They said, okay. And so we went and we weren't gone that long, but <clears throat> we're getting ready to leave, coming back from there. And the one gal said, my mother's going to kill me. She's always. We didn't know who would, if she would give me a ride home or this girl was staying overnight at her house. 
she's really supposed to call her. And of course, we didn't have cell phones at the time. And so uh, she says, uh, I'm really going to be in trouble. And I got this idea, explain it. I had access to get in, because I had clean records in it in the morning. I had access to get into the one section of the school by the library there, and I knew Father Bresson had a cassock and a Roman collar in this one closet there for a spare. And so uh, I just, again, we went back to the school, I ran in, and I put on this cassock and the Roman collar, and we drove over to her house, and boy, we pulled up in the driveway, and I could see her mother coming out steaming on, on, on the porch, and I immediately jumped out, and she kind of looked astonished at me, you know, and I said, oh, I'm, I'm Brother Jerry. I said, we, she was stuck at the dance, and our phones weren't working, and uh, I said, they didn't have a way home, so, uh, and we couldn't call, I said, so I'm, I'm bringing her home. She said, oh, 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 Father, thank you, Brother, thank you so much, you know, and so then they dropped him off, and that's the last time I heard. <laughs> But we, we kept him out of trouble. <laughs> I think I told him once years later, and he got a kick out of it. You know, yeah, I think I, I mentioned it to him once. But uh, he he probably wouldn't have uh, wouldn't have uh, been able to laugh if I told him like the next day <laughs> he would have gotten in trouble again for condoning it. You know. <laughs> By the 1960s, the record hops were still the place to be. Teens twisted and bopped swing danced, and tried out new trends like the mashed potato. All the while, Father Hollywood walked through the crowd, a little notebook in hand. If he stopped next to you and your partner and began to write a note, it was a sign that your dancing was getting a little too familiar and too close. Here's Simone Vitale. He had rules. There was no fighting. You couldn't leave until after 10.30. And there were chaperones, and there was a DJ, and every once in a while, he'd have my band play. Simone is the leader of the self-named Simone Vitale Band, a 16-piece orchestra that today performs at all of Detroit's biggest parties. They've played inaugural balls for Barack Obama and George W. Bush and opened for Ray Charles. In 1964, however, Simone was 14 years old, a freshman at Notre Dame and the leader of the Echo Tones. Simone was a confident, popular teen, and Father Hollywood gave the Echo Tones opportunities to play during the dances. Father Bryson was also his religion teacher. Simone remembers confronting Father Hollywood about a midterm grade. So he'd always give me a B. I said, Father, why are you giving me a B? I got an A. You have to be humble, Hollywood. He didn't think I was very humble. Well, I kind of thought I was a little cocky because I had a band and we used to play all the parties for the kids. And, you know, he said, you know, you got to be humble. Depending on who you ask, Father Bryson had different reasons for calling kids Hollywood. Some say it was because he couldn't remember names. Others say it was because of his connections. For Simone, it was because of his big ego. You know, you don't realize like a 14-year-old, you know, I was really into music, okay? So you get up on that stage, they have these little stages, and all these kids are gathering around you, okay? And you start playing and they start going crazy. I don't care who you are. If you have ever been on a stage and people are giving you all this adulation and they think that you're really something special, 
you may or may not be, but they think so. It really has an effect, you know. That's why he used to call me Hollywood. He used to call everybody Hollywood, but he used to think that I really had a big ego, and I probably did, because I used to, I mean, we even had a fan club. But those legendary dances didn't pay for themselves. Beyond the vending machines, food, and bingo parties, Father Hollywood's penchant for fundraising was legendary in itself. Former students remember his selling ballpoint pens. One for a dime, two for a quarter, and three for a dollar. Yeah, he was always counting money. Yeah. He'd have all these different dollars and quarters uh-huh. and everything. He didn't keep any of the money. Yeah. yeah. But he, um, yeah, that's what he did. While keeping kids humble, Father Hollywood had a knack for spotting kids with talents beyond academics. He saw the class clowns, the cut-ups, and didn't see a screw-up. He saw a gift. Dave Coulier of Full House fame was one of those kids. I was kind of a cut-up all through school, and I think he noticed that a lot of guys would sit around the lunch table with me because he was always in the cafeteria, and he was hawking, you know, candy bars and ice cream bars and whatever, you know, and I just thought this is this is something I've never experienced before. So I uh, I played hockey at Notre Dame for three years. And so I would sit with the hockey guys and guys that were just funny. And I would sit at the cafeteria tables and I would tell funny stories. And so I started doing an impression of Father Bryson for all the guys. And then everybody started doing the impression of my impression to everybody else. The impressions didn't go unnoticed by Father Bryson, who asked Dave if he wanted to DJ at one of the dances. Dave already knew he wanted to be a comedian and asked Father Hollywood if he could tell a joke or two. Dave, you can you can tell some jokes up there and that'd be great. And, and that's my impression. Uh, and and he was wonderful about that. He really kind of gave me a a place and a forum to to just be who I would become. And and you know how many how many kids in high school really get that opportunity? Because Notre Dame was a college prep school, so guys were preparing to go to college. And you know I really never saw college for myself. So Notre Dame was kind of a a proving ground for, you know, for comedy for me. And, and um, I was really, really lucky to have a support system, especially with a guy like, like Father Bryson. It was thrilling for me to be able to get on a stage with a microphone. I mean, are you kidding? That was something that I wanted to do. I admired stand-up comedians so much. And here, this was my you know, first foray into standing up in front of people with a microphone. Father Bryson himself had a great sense of humor, Dave said. He had that look in his eye. He had that special look in his eye that just, you thought, this guy's always got some kind of quip or a joke. I've seen it a million times in my business. There's something always at the ready that's going to come out and it was either a joke or a quip or he would you know just he was very dry and it was it was a very funny dry father bryson and the priests at notre dame treated students like young men 
encouraging them and not disparaging them when their youth got in the way of common sense. It was senior year and he pulled me aside <clears throat> and he said, you know, Dave, these guys really look up to you. And I didn't really think they looked up to me, but he saw something because I would just try and make my teammates and my classmates laugh. I would do all these impressions of teachers and I, uh, you know, I, you know, I always just tried to think in a very humorous way, which is a tough way to navigate your way through high school when you've, you know, at some point got to switch on, you know, <clears throat> the left side of your brain has to kind of balance out the right side of your brain. And I was very, I've always been very right brained. And so, <laughs> you know, it, if it, if it wasn't for people like Father Bryson that could kind of corral me and just encourage me at the same time and just say, hey, Dave, you know, you're a real special, you've got something special, you know, because, you know, it, it takes a lot to tell a kid that like, hey, you're really special. You've really got something. No one really knew what it was, but it was just I wanted to be a professional comedy person. And I wanted to be on television and I wanted to be in the movies. And I wanted to be an actor. And that was in my brain already as a, as a young man. So for him to have, you know, that the sensitivity to be able to pick that up uh, from all of those other guys that I was surrounded by uh, was really special to me. I mean, you know, when you're at that impressionable, impressionable high school age and someone an authority figure that you respect says something like that to you, it really means the world. And, you know, I heard that from a lot of my Notre Dame teachers who treated me with kindness. They didn't just say, hey, you're a screwy kid doing voices and you're goofing around all the time. You know, they really encouraged me and, and Father Bryson was a big part of that. Years later, Coulier returned to Notre Dame and did stand up in the gym as part of a benefit for the school's hockey program including an impression of Father Hollywood and some of the other teachers. From the stage, Coulier could see Father Hollywood beaming. And I remember the first time I went back and did stand-up in the gym, I did an impression of him, and I did, I did a few teacher impressions that I, I, had, I had done before. And, um, you know, Father Bryson was just beaming. And afterwards, just gave me a, a handshake and a hug. And he said, I knew you would do it, Dave. I knew you were going to do it. Just, you know. And then he blessed me. I knew you would do it, Dave. I knew you would do it. The dances continued until the 70s. But Father Hollywood remained a fixture at the school long after. Former Alumni Association President Jim Mandel, class of 1990, remembers Father Bryson pushing a concession cart in the cafeteria. He sold ice cream, pizza, and soda, and he was still the rock and roll priest. But his thing at, at uh, the school was music. Even when there wasn't a dance going on, he, his, the jukebox, there was a jukebox in the cafeteria, and it was referred to as Father Bryson's ju jukebox. And he would always make sure that couple minutes before lunch hour started, he'd go over and he'd put a couple quarters in and he'd play some songs. And it was always the same, too. It was always happy birthday because he knew was, every day was always someone's birthday. 
and then the Immigrant Song by Led Zeppelin. Why he picked that one, I don't have a clue. But that one was, those two songs were always playing when we walked in for lunch. Sometimes, you know, there we'd be in some silence in the, in the uh, uh, cafeteria. Somebody would get up and go and, and start looking at the, the menu on the uh, jukebox to, you know, pick some songs. And he would just walk by and drop in a couple quarters and keep walking. Wouldn't say a word. Years later, Father Hollywood was sent back to Boston but he stayed in touch with many of his students. Notre Dame closed in 2005. Six years later, Father Bryson passed away, and the memories and tributes poured in from online forums, in his obituary, and in the school alumni newsletter. Then middle-aged with children or grandchildren of their own, former students remembered him for his music, for the place he gave them to be kids, and for his humor and wit. But what I think he understood about young people um, is the importance of music in their lives. And I, th I think he knew that that was a way to connect not only with the students himself, but to keep the students connected to the school was by having these dances that were not just ordinary dances, um, where, you know, he, he wasn't afraid to bring in uh, talent to perform that maybe some other schools would have been afraid to have. Um, and, you know, like I said, the DJs from uh, from the local radio stations would come in and DJ also. So I just think he understood the importance that music played in growing up and the importance music uh, played as a role in, in the young person's life. So that, that, that connection was one of the ones, or it was one of the ways he made a connection with the young people in the school. More than just getting what a young person liked, Father Hollywood cared for them and gave them everything he had. He wasn't very talented, but he he worked on the talents he had. You know, uh, he 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 gave to God to God what he had to give. You know, uh, he prayed for people. I know he did. He 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 prayed for uh, his students, uh, and you know that I, I think I learned that from him that you don't have to be. Uh, an academic and you know, different things like that. Just, I guess what I mean is just that you give to God what you have to give, you know. And that's what he did. You know, he was known as Father Hollywood, and, uh, like you say, and he was uh, well known. I mean, in Detroit, all over, you know. But, but he was, he was, uh, he was a different. He wasn't. He wasn't Hollywood. You know, that was that was an appearance of him and that. But I mean, uh, deep down, he was he was a, a Marist priest. And, uh, and, and a good one. Even if another rock and roll priest emerges, people agree there will never be another Father John Bryson. It would be impossible to recreate the magic of the record hops, the music, the dancing, and the feelings like no other. That era had the best music, the most excitement, because it was all brand new. The Beatles, the Rolling Stones, the Dave Clark Five. I mean, everybody who was anybody uh, at that time of the era, that was the best music ever, which will last forever. You don't have music now 
After six months, it's gone. That music, think of all that music that was played during that era, and it's all still here. And it was a very exciting time because, I mean, the kids at that time, I mean, every week there was something new. It was exciting. It was fun. Mm -hmm. And those record hops, he played all the new tunes. It was really, you know, quite exciting. It was a very integral part of that social life in the early 60s. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's, yeah. what else was there? That was it. That era, yeah. like I say, will never, ever be duplicated. Mm -hmm. Plus, it was, it was a time when we were at war mm -hmm. in Vietnam. So everybody was kind of like, you know, it was like an escape. Yeah. Because all you heard was bad news every night on the, you know, the, the Viet Cong had killed, you know, 5,000 Americans or whatever they were in. So it was kind of an escape, and he um, facilitated that escape. Father Bryson, there will never be another Father Bryson. There's, there's just nobody like him. Detroit Stories is a production of Detroit Catholic and the Communications Department of the Archdiocese of Detroit. Find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, or wherever you get your podcasts. Does your bank make you feel like you belong there? At Alliance Catholic Credit Union, you are a member of a financial institution that serves the Catholic community, providing you with an opportunity to align your banking with your Catholic identity. You receive all the products and services you need to manage your money, and your membership helps support Catholic schools, parishes, and organizations. It's time to put your money where your faith is. Visit AllianceCatholic.com to get started today. Service. Community. Catholic. Alliance Catholic Credit Union. Federally insured by the NCUA.